Welcome to Fun is Fundamental. Fun is Fundamental is a podcast for those who realize that the enjoyment of life is about having something deep in our souls which lights our fire. It's for those who maybe have lost that fire and feel like they are missing out on the pleasures of life. In each episode, I will share recent fun activities and focus on why having fun is essential for good health. I'm your host, Alenia, and I invite you to take this journey with me and join the pleasure-seeking movement. Good morning, Maureen. How are you doing today? Good morning, my dear. I'm doing wonderful today. It's cold here, but it's sunny, so that's a good thing. Yeah, same here. I I will always take um, some winter sun around here because in Seattle, we get a lot of rain in the winter. Oh. So I'm like, sun, sun, please. <laughs> well, I'll send you some from Arizona. We'll just, you know, push it over there to you. Yeah, we, we actually today we do have some sun. So I'm like, woo, got to get out <laughs> to see it. Yes. Yeah. So can you tell the audience about a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Maureen Scanlon, and I am a certified life coach, relationship expert, dating coach, uh, self-esteem, self-image, self-confidence coach. So I do, um, I'm an author. I wrote two books and I'm a speaker and also a podcast host. Wow. You got a lot going on. Can you, uh, what, what, what's your podcast? I never knew, but my dog did is the title of it. It's very fun. (laughs) We talk about our stories that we all have to really just show that we all go through stuff, but we can come out of it and you get lots of tips and stories from others who've been through some really, really impactful things and experiences in their life, but it gives you hope and, and we make it um, you know, upbeat at the end, usually, and, and just with humor and understanding and a little bit of psychology and coaching in there. It's, it's really a fun podcast. Oh, sounds, sounds fun. And I, I love, I love your title. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been helping couples in their with their relationships? So I'm going into my sixth year of coaching and I absolutely love it. And I have, you know, a hundred percent success rate because really it's all about just tackling those things that we all deal with, but, and it's one of those, well, I know I need to do that, but how do I do that? And so that's, that's really the fun of it. And I really enjoy the relationship coaching when I see a couple come back and just really realize how to have a good, healthy relationship. Um, but my favorite thing is the dating coaching as well. So, Mm. yeah, I feel like probably, especially now, a lot of people probably don't really know how to date. Things have like, really kind of gotten wacky. I feel like it is. It's crazy out there. And because there is so much online dating, we're losing a little bit of touch with, with having that confidence to get out there, uh, realizing that we have a say in who we talk to, who we spend our energy with. And my biggest thing is what my younger self needed, which is really my impact in my brand, is that. I didn't love myself. I wasn't my own best friend. And I always felt like I was this people pleaser. I was very codependent. And I feel like when we go out into the dating world, a lot of people just take what they get instead of saying, I'm going to be better with myself. And then I'm going to attract exactly what I want. So that's really the, the fun part of it is seeing, seeing clients come back and be like, right. We, I decided what I wanted and it came and it's perfect. And, you know, I'm in this relationship and I'm so happy. Yeah. It's actually funny. Like I, I, I was like doing online dating and things like that. And when I first started, like kind of trying to like find someone, I was definitely like going to like open just to take it, whatever I could get kind of thing. Um, And actually I had messaged my husband uh, because I was just like, oh, you live, you live in my neighborhood, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but I basically was just like, I don't want to do like the like messaging kind of thing. I was just like, let's just meet. Yeah. And, you know, now we're like, we're after like a month, we were like, yeah, you're, 
I, I want to spend my time with you only. And now we're going on nine years together as a couple. So I'm like, in my, like for me, it like online dating worked, but it also was like, I had to kind of like, cha- like have different expectations, but also it was like early online dating, I think. So I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations on nine years. So you you're doing something really, really well. And that's why you have your podcast, Fun is Fundamentals. So it's yeah, it it is interesting. And I think a lot of us hide behind a computer screen because we're just afraid. And you have to still put yourself out there like back in the old days when you met in the grocery stores or you got set up by your parents or um, you know, you, you went on blind dates. I, I feel we we've hidden so much of ourselves and, and I learned it when I was dating. Um, and I've had, I've had my struggles. That's why I became a relationship coach. So everyone can learn from, uh, what I did. And I just learned to not waste my time. As I tell the women, don't waste your makeup and you don't have to date every single person that comes across your message board. Uh It's really, for me, the way that I met my husband or attracted my husband was I just set this bar. And in my coaching, we create an avatar of everything that you want as a soul match, not just, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, six foot tall, but really what do I, what do I picture my life with a partner being? And when they create that, I tell them, put it somewhere visual, like a vision board, put it somewhere on your bathroom mirror, on your fridge, read it every day. And don't be afraid to ask for specifics. I think that's kind of our thing. It's like, well, it's got a lot of the stuff I want, but maybe not everything. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're only, if you, if you're asking for 50% of what you want, you're going to get 50% of what you want. Right. Yeah. So whatever you focus on is what you're going to get. So, you know, aim for the stars and really picture this perfect, you know, mate for you. And I think we've all been told We've all, I I feel like we've been sort of told to uh, dim ourselves down or don't have such high expectations, or this is my favorite one. Nobody's perfect. I hate that because maybe not, we're not looking for perfection, but you're also not looking for, you have to look for what's perfect for you. Mm -hmm. And, And that's really the key is don't overlook things that aren't perfect for you. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that, like, there's a lot of talk about people, like, this, like, loneliness epidemic kind of thing. Do you think a lot of people, that's partly why people are settling for just, like, hey, you're here kind of thing? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a double-edged sword. I think COVID brought out the realization that we had to look at our lives and say, wow, am I happy where things are? Because you literally, we literally had to come inside physically, but we had to come inside mentally and emotionally too, and evaluate our lives. And so a lot of people were in relationships that weren't fulfilling. And then they, you know, said, you know, maybe I want something different. Um, The divorce rate did increase, but excuse me. I do feel like there was this increase in anxiety and depression and people got in their comfort zone of staying internal and, you know, becoming more introverted than extroverted. And so I think we have to have this balance and especially getting out of the comfort zone because I think we got a lot of people got into a comfort zone. And now in the aftermath, we're trying to get back out of that comfort zone. That's important. Yeah. Yeah, especially not just in like people that are currently in relationships, but obviously with people like dating, that's a huge, like it's dating is really uncomfortable. (laughs) You know why it's uncomfortable? I love that you just said that. You know why it's uncomfortable? It's because of the perspective around it. So what happens is, I, we stay, we keep this in the forefront of, I want a partner. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to die alone. I, I want someone to do things with instead of going out there. And this is when my, my dating life really um, changed the, the trajectory was when I went out with the mindset that 
I'm just going to meet someone. I'm going to get a dinner and I'm going to have good conversation. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't have the expectation that I'm looking to find my mate, it wasn't uncomfortable anymore. It was just a few hours of my life getting dinner and having conversation. Mm-hmm. So it really took the pressure off. And I think that's what we do is put way too much pressure on quote unquote dating and finding someone. Yeah. There's also like this movement of like kind of self-dating. Do you feel like kind of like just like taking you taking care of yourself kind of thing? Do you think feel like that like helps you to find maybe eventually you will find your your mate by knowing yourself and cherishing yourself, that kind of thing? A million percent. It's everything that my brand is, which is learn to be your own best friend. And I love the term self-dating. I I love that you said that because you're never going to find anyone that matches you until that you'll be happy with until you love yourself more. And it's not selfish. We've been taught it's selfish to think of ourselves first, but I'm telling you, I was in, you know, a bad marriage. I was in narcissistic relationships, abusive relationships. And this is why my concept is the dogs. Everything about my brand is the dogs, my books, all of it. <clears throat> and yeah, I was sitting one day in my boohooing. It was, I finally had a, another breakup and, you know, I had moved him in. He was, he'd moved out and I was just sitting there like, wow, all of this this history of these bad relationships, the only thing that's common in it was me. So I, I must be doing something wrong. And there were tears, there was deep work, there was journaling. And those nights when I'm just sitting there in my pajamas, eating my chocolate ice cream and boohooing, I'm looking over and I've got one dog on the side of the bed, like protecting me. And I've got another one on, on the bed, like just looking at me and licking my tears And I had this epiphany aha moment when I looked at Jade, my little chihuahua, and I saw this unconditional love in her eyes and it hit me. How come you don't love yourself like that? How come they can love you like that, but you don't love yourself like that? And then I began that journey of self-dating, which I love that term. And I joined meetup groups and I went hiking by myself and I just really went out there, put myself out there. Cause I'd never been alone from 18 years old till 45. And I remember sitting at a Starbucks for the first time by myself with a book, just like mortified, like, Oh God, I'm such a loser. I'm by myself. Like this concept I had that if I was alone, I wasn't worth something. Mm -hmm. And then it all changed when people started interacting and I started making friends and really having fun. I'm like, Hey, I am kind of fun. I am kind of lovable. What, what was I thinking? So yes, you have to self date before you can go out there and attract the best person for you. Mm -hmm. Going back to the idea of like selfishness, like I feel like a lot of times the people that are the most like hard on themselves, low on themselves, like that people that don't love themselves, it actually like comes out as being kind of actually being more selfish in a way because they're like, it's like you're so like focused on yourself in a way sometimes but like people that actually take the time for themselves can give so much of themselves and become so much less selfish actually (laughs) by just being grounded and present in themselves you know I guess in a way that was so beautifully said I I can't I can't even top that I absolutely love that you said that because you're right. The more you love yourself, the more you want to give to others. And the more you give to others, the more you attract those who give to others as well. So you've got like this law of attraction, which is like, um, attracts like, but I love that you said that because it is when, when you sort of stay in your bubble of, you know, I don't want to date or I've been hurt or I don't, it's too much work or I'm not ready. This is a big one. For women who've been single for a long time, they have a really hard time giving up that independence or, or, you know, changing their lifestyles. Well, you know, you can't be on the fence. You either want a relationship or you don't. If you, if you're happy without it, great, stay there, but you can't be half in. And I love that you said that where 
it can tend to be a little more selfish because you're not open-minded about people and people who love themselves are open-minded. Like I can go out into the world and anyone I run into, I'm willing to hear their story. I'm willing to be empathetic and sympathetic and make friends wherever I go. So you are absolutely right. That was brilliant. What you said. Thank you. Also going back to you talking about how your dog looked at you. (laughs) (laughs) Like so often there are people around you that like really love you and really see you for who you are. Do you have any inklings about why we don't see that in ourselves? Yes, it is a repetitive thing that we've told ourselves and or that we've heard from others. And of course, with my background in psychology, you know, zero to six years old, that's where a lot of this programming happened was when we were told or we heard or we witnessed this less than self-image. And so what your job is, is to counter uh, anything that's not serving you. So any of that, it's about the tapes that you play in your head every day. And in my coaching, I call it um, passengers on the bus. So you're driving the bus. But there's passengers behind you, meaning all your negative thoughts, negative memories, negative traumas, and you can turn around and address those, but you're going to crash or you can ignore them, but they're still going to be on the bus. You know, you're not letting them off or you can pull the bus over, take a moment and say, we're not doing this. This isn't how we behave. So you can either get off the bus or you can be you know, in a a figurative way, you can be positive. You can, you can help me along this journey. So it's really, really key how we speak to ourselves, letting go of whatever you've heard about yourself or you're saying about yourself and recognizing that self-talk is your very first step. Mm -hmm. I've never heard it uh, expressed in that way of like it being like a bus and a, but I like, I really like that analogy to, to explain like the, the the top the the voices the, the things <laughs> that are saying these things to you <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good visual I'm a very visual person so I love analogies and it drives my husband crazy sometimes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah moving on to uh, kind of more long term couples what what are the most common problems that long term couples have to like keep their relationships fresh and and moving forward you know Yes. Number one, lack of intimacy. Intimacy is into me, you see. And that is a lack of connection. And why do we lose the connection? Because we're not nurturing it. You quit watering a plant, it's going to die. Well, you quit watering your relationship, it's also going to die. So it's really nurturing it and not assuming that person's going to stay with you because they have to it's because they want to and they choose you every day and vice versa so connecting time you know commit to it i know life is busy and i say life gets in the way of living a lot of the times but anything that you neglect will eventually leave that's just that's the way of it um of anything in our lives that's needing to be cared for. Yeah. Um, how can couples improve? Like, what are some things that they people can do do to improve their intimacy in the relationships? So intimacy is way more than sex, but sex is a part of that. And so number one is, and I tell every one of my couples, you got to have a weekly date night. You have to. And I, and that doesn't mean get all dressed up, go out, whatever you can. And I love that. I think being in a different environment um, really enables us to communicate. You can laugh and joke at other couples and be like, hey, they're on their first date or, hey, I think they've been married for 30 years. They're both on their phone. And, <laughs> you know, but it's getting out in that environment and, and doing something new and fun. So fun is fundamental and we're going to get to fun. But also, if you are not being intimate in the bedroom, then you're also lacking that connection. Because I believe if everything's right between a couple, whatever things that happen in your everyday lives, you work on it better as a partnership. So schedule sex if you have to. I know it sounds crazy. I tell my couples, if you are not having sex, I'm going to 
schedule it for you. And they're like, Marie, oh my God. Yep, I am. I'm going to make it happen. If you're not making it happen, I'm going to make it happen. So the communication, I think this is probably the, obviously the biggest thing in a relationship is communication, but I'm going to add to the communication factor. And it's the ability to be free to speak who you are and your truth. And we can have communication, but a lot of couples are just superficially talking and they're not able to say, Hey, I'm having a really hard time when you, when this has happened or this is how I feel. So I think checking in with each other every, I always, with my couples, I make them do an exercise every night on the couch. It's called couch time. Check in mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. How are you doing? How does that feel? What happened today? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? And Mm -hmm. you feel heard, you feel loved, and you feel free to speak what you're going through. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Physical intimacy, we definitely people think about a lot, but emotional intimacy is also often lacking in relationships for sure. Yeah. These days I, I have, like, I saw a statistic that was about like 70% of women at some point have low libido. And I know this is a problem for men a lot too. I, there's a lot of men that are like needing like Viagra and things like that for those that are having problems in that regard do you have any tips for to help improve their sex lives I do I I really do a lot of times the low libido is that and I say this seduction happens outside of the bedroom only 10% of it happens inside the bedroom so 90% of it is outside so what are you doing to meet your partner's love language that Mm -hmm. is going to turn your partner on if if you're super busy with kids and house and job and and you just can't get it all done and then all of a sudden your husband comes home at night and he's like hey baby let's go let's go get it on you're like no way man i have no sex drive whatsoever but if he comes home and say their love language is um gifts, which is mine. Um, and my husband's so good about this. He walks in with flowers once a week. He comes and he brings me my favorite candy bar or I'm addicted to M&Ms. He brings me a family size bag of M&Ms, um, <laughs> you know, acts of service. If, if you walk in and this is why, you know, both ways with wives and husbands, if your husband um, loves physical affection, it doesn't have to be just in the bedroom. Just walk by him and uh, I'll scratch my husband's back when I'm talking to him. And he'll go, oh, that feels so good. You know, just <laughs> the little touches. And then you'll see that you're wanting more to be intimate. And then the libido follows because you're emotionally turned on. And then mm-hmm. the physical turn on uh, inevitably has to follow. All right. Yeah. Okay. Emotion leads to physical. Okay. I like that information. Cause I don't think people think about that, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people don't believe in love languages and, and we can have multiple. I mean, I'm not just like, just give me gifts and do no, do nothing else, yeah. but you know, it, it, they all cross over, but it, it's really just focusing in on what your partner validates. And this is listeners. This is the best advice I can give you in this entire podcast. Listen to what your, your partner validates. In other words, Like when I scratch my husband's back and he's like, oh, I love it when you do that. That feels so good. Well, I know now that's all I have to do. No matter how busy I am, I can walk by and I can give him a hug or I can, you know, squeeze his butt or I can, you know, whatever it is. He's physical. So if your partner's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you brought me flowers. That means so much to me. You know, you don't have to specifically sit down and go, let's take the quiz. Let's figure out what your love language is. Just listen, listen to your partner you'll figure out what makes them happy. And the more you make your partner happy, the more you're going to be made happy because their needs are met and then your needs get met. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely a, a a two way street for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What role does fun play in the longevity of relationships? Oh, I, you know, one of the reasons listeners that I wanted to do her podcast is because it's, she's nailed the thing that is so crucial to relationships. And I can say this, all those bad relationships that I had been in, 
Um, they were not fun. Every day it was misery. I don't think I laughed for months on end. It was just, it was terrible. Not only that, adding to the fun, there was no friendship there. And, and the fun and the friendship go hand in hand. Your partner is just not, it's not just your sex partner and the bill paying and the child rearing person. It's, are you my friend? Would you be my friend if we were not together? That's the answer. And the fun is everything. My husband and I, I think we probably laugh together. I would say at a minimum, you know, 10 to 20 times a day, even when we're stressed out, even when, you know, we got a lot going on, we laugh at one another. And I think fun is such a big part of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Having a, a partner you can laugh with, it's just like, it, it just makes makes everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's all those endorphins. You know, when you laugh, it increases those endorphins and the laughter also leads to intimacy, leads to the higher libido. So it's like this whole chain of things. And it's as simple as just laugh, go have fun go do stuff. So in, in my book, my dog is my relationship coach. I give ideas for dating, for uh, having fun. And you guys, you just have to get creative, right? Mm -hmm. What are, what are some of the, the tips for having a great day night? Yes. So I have focus issues. Um, some would call it ADD. So I have a really difficult time sitting down watching a movie and I don't want to do dinner in a movie. That's just to me sort of, I wouldn't suggest it for a, a first date for just dating someone. And I wouldn't suggest it for dating um, in at your partner, your long-term partner. I mean, you can sit down and watch a movie together, but you better be snuggling and you better be, you know, hanging out on the couch. But some of my ideas for mixing it up for creative date nights is um, this one's my favorite. And I always tell my couples um, come up with a date jar and you guys both write down on paper um, ideas and you can have one that's like, you know, this one's going to take a while to do vacations or weekends away. So you can do the little more, you know, we save money for this one or, or we do this one when we have more time. And then there's just the everyday one. And we have a house rule in my house, um, unless weather or health permit, you cannot say no. So, um, there, we love museums. So we always, we always do museums and then we sort of challenge each other to remember some of the facts that we saw at the museum afterwards for my birthday this year. Um, my husband said, what do you want? And I said, there's nothing I really want. What I want is a, um, a scavenger hunt. So my okay. husband did something super cool. He gave clues and then it was clues to the next place that we were going. And right. so it was, it was the, it was just so much fun and challenging. And, and so scavenger hunts, I think mm -hmm. are so fun. You have to put a lot of thought into it, but you're also going out and going around your town. They even have on, I think it's Groupon. They actually have a Groupon for each city where there's a scavenger hunt for your city and you walk around your city and then you find the certain clues. So that's one that I think is super fun. The other one is kind of silly. It's go to a secondhand store. So everybody has like thrift stores and secondhand stores in their city and you have a theme. So I'd be like, okay, we're, when we go in, I have a theme and you have a theme like clowns. So he, he would have to go find figurines with clowns or an outfit or a wig or something. And then you come and show each other and, or the ugliest outfit you can find or sixties, go find a sixties outfit or something like that. So that's mm -hmm. really fun. It's really about how creative you can be together and laugh. What are, what are the silliest things that you can think of? Um, mm -hmm. my husband and I have a little fire pit out in our backyard and I would, we'd go out there and we love music. And so we would take turns DJing and, and playing a song, you know, I'd say, okay, it's your turn. Then he'd play a song and I'd be like, oh, song. <laughs> or there's, 
um, online, if you look up um, like conversation starters or 50 unusual questions for couples, they have all kinds of stuff online that we would sit at the fire out at the fire pit. We would just ask these questions. Like if, if all that you could eat was pickles and hot sauce for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? You know, so it's, it's fun little questions like that. It doesn't have to be like deep and intimate, you know, how many partners have you had in your pet? No, we don't want to get into anything that's going to start a debate. So it's just fun, just fun Mm -hmm. questions. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm definitely still in some of those ideas. They'll sound great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, yeah, I really love the creativity. Uh, I would say like for, for people that feel like they're not very creative, I, we have really enjoyed the adventure, adventure challenge books that will give you ideas that are outside of the box of like things that you can do. And yes, you can only, only if the weather's not right or not right or something like that, can you say no? <laughs> so, yeah. but those are, those have been very uh, silly sometimes, which is great. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Good for you. Yeah. I think I asked most of my questions with the, so. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, I'm going to add one, another tip that's really helpful and, and it's really helped my husband and I when we're in the middle of a conflict, because I think conflict re- resolution is a really important topic that we should hit on real quick. Sure. And I mean, obviously, we all are going to have differences. We're all going to have different moods. We're all going to have different expectations. Um, my husband and I have uh, difficulties with, <laughs> with um, organization ideas. And we both are, are very, um, OCD and I have a way that I want it to be done. And he has a way that he wants it to be done. And what we've learned though, as far as communication, and and this is for my couples, I tell all the time, and you can use this really with your, all your relationships. This, this can be family, this can be friendships. It's echoing. So Mm -hmm. if you're saying something if you're saying something to me, Lelania, and I don't agree with it, I can say, or if I'm starting to make my own perception, because we're always going to speak on our experience. Yeah. So, and this is especially important when you get triggered for something, because it has nothing to do with the person saying it, it has everything to do with the experience you had with someone else. And they call that transference. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get mad at you for something someone had done to me years ago. So I'm going to transfer what they did to me and I'm going to put it onto you. And now we're going to have a conflict and misunderstand each other. So the echoing is really important. And what you say is, so what I hear you saying is this. So here's something that is pertinent for us. My husband and I are in the process of, of packing and moving. He says, well, when we get to the new house, we'll decide where we're going to put everything. And it stopped me in my tracks. It was a trigger. And I'm like, excuse me, what I'm hearing, my perception in the back of my head is you're going to try to control what I do. Mm-hmm. Now that's not what he meant. That's not what he was saying, but I'm yeah. transferring what someone else did who didn't let me do something I wanted to do. Right. And so I echo and I'll, and I'll say, so what you're saying is you don't trust that I'm going to put the silverware in the right drawer. And, and he comes back and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what I meant. I I meant everything is going to be together. We're just going to do everything together, Marina. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. My bad. My bad. I was a little triggered there, you know, and that freedom to say, to come out and say, Ooh, you know what? I, that was me that oof, I, I was triggered. I didn't realize that was still in there and I was triggered by that. So mm-hmm. echoing is really important because then you can hear what someone else is thinking about what you've said and you can clear the air right then and there. Yeah. That's a very good tip because yeah, we, we all interpret things in a different way sometimes. <laughs> We only have one lens. We only have one lens and it's our past and it's our beliefs. So it's when we run into trouble is when I don't accept your beliefs and you don't accept my beliefs. It's not that I'm trying to change your beliefs, but I have to respect and accept what you believe. 
That's the difference. And that that pertains to world, the entire world and everyone you encounter. Just accept and respect someone else's belief is not like yours because they didn't have the same one as experiences that you have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We don't see each other all everything in the same the same way for sure. Yeah. Um, I always ask all my guests, how do you define fun? Oh, fun to me is it's laughter, it's lightness, it's it's when I can't breathe. I it literally when I cannot breathe because I'm I'm on a high. It's it's a natural high where you don't think about anything else and you're just in the moment. You're mindful of I'm living in this moment and it's joyful. That's fun to me. Nice. I I like your saying like I can't like you, you have the inability to breathe. Like that's I haven't I haven't really heard people describe it like that, but I really like that. Um yeah. You're just so in the moment, you know. <laughs> right. Takes my breath away. I guess we could say that. It, fun fun should take your breath away. Yeah. Um, what's your play personality? Um, I, I love I, that you asked me this because this was in our pre-call. And I, do you know, I had no idea what it was. And so I researched it and I quizzed not only myself, <laughs> but I, I quizzed my husband too. And we were shocked. We are both the artists. Oh. And, and the interesting thing is, and listeners, this is important. Never assume, never assume you think you know what your partner is, whether it's their love language or their play personality. We were both surprised. Now get this. My husband's an engineer. Okay. Oh. You would not think he would be the artist. And then I'm like free spirit. I paint, I refurbish furniture. I make little mini houses. I'm all about creating stuff. So I'm like, well, naturally I'm the artist, yeah. but when we found out that he was the artist, he was even surprised too, but it was so cool because I told you how much fun my husband and I, I, I have together. It was so cool that I was like, well, of course we're compatible on our play personality. So that was interesting. Thank you for introducing me to that. I'm so, I'm so glad that that like was like a realization and brought you together I actually think engineers are actually very even though they have to use like math and science they're actually very I feel, feel like they're very artistic they're very creative you know you have to be creative I feel like to be a good engineer so I, I, I agree it. yeah I completely agree it's like architecture yeah you have to do blueprints and measurements and all that but he has a vision he's a visionary yeah. and I love that about him because I what does he call it spatial I don't know it's like spatial intelligence like I can't fathom how someone can take a, a flat piece of land and envision a building or houses, or I don't know how they get from A to Z. And he's very creative and he loves art. He absolutely loves art because we go to museums. That's what I was saying mm -hmm. to you. We go to museums. So um, you're right. You're right. Never assume that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. When's the last time you laughed so hard that it like hurt? Oh gosh. Oh, recently. I mean, we, we do it all the time. Um, what were we laughing about? It was a belly laugh. We, we laugh a lot. We laugh a lot at TikToks. We, we share TikToks <laughs> together and we laugh at the dogs because our dogs, we have a border Aussie who is the derpiest dog on the planet, but <laughs> he makes us laugh. So she, when she lays down for a nap, she's she's that person or that dog that is so completely comfortable with herself. She's like stretched out and she's like, you know, teeth showing and <laughs> takes up the whole couch. She has to have a pillow between her legs. Like I do when I sleep, it's, she just does the derpiest things. And we, we laugh, belly laugh at her all the time. Oh, I can imagine. I love a derpy dog. I'm just like, give me all the derpy dogs. <laughs> 
<laughs> me too. They're entertaining. And I think like us, um, they all have such different personalities and some are, you know, I lost my, um, my, my big boy, um, before Christmas. And he, he was just that peaceful presence. He was just, he wasn't very affectionate, but he always needed to be right by you. He's very protective, but he was calm. And then derpy dog is just, she's always doing the goofiest, silliest things. And then I have a chunky little chihuahua. She's 15 pounds and she's just a deep, she just does what she wants and lets us know how the house is going to run and how the day is going to go. So it's yeah. fun. <laughs> she's got some big, big dog energy. <laughs> yes, big dog energy is right. Yeah. What can always cheer you up? I mean, I'm being redundant and I'm sorry, but dogs, okay. hello. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my dogs cheer me up and I'm not going to lie. Um, I love a good meal. I love food. I love, love food. I'm that person that I will wait all day to go eat something and that meal better make me happy. Like, I don't want to go to a restaurant. And you're so looking forward to something. And then it wasn't like as good as you wanted it to be. Um, I think good food is, in fact, I'm going to do a TED on this about, you know, food being the sixth love language, because I just think food is so relatable to all of us. It makes us happy. It makes us, everything we do is good times around food. Everything you do has food involved in it. So I think a good meal makes me happy. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, we're, we're planning, we're planning to go to Las Vegas maybe. And I'm just like, I just want good food. <laughs> it's like the main thing. I'm just like, I just want, I want yeah. like, you know, the, that breakfast buffet at the four seasons. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, that's, that's how I plan my travel trips. Like, I, okay. I want to see stuff and I want to have adventure and have fun, but like the other part of it is what kind of restaurants do they have in this area? Like I want to try, especially, you know, being open-minded, my palate is very open to trying anything. I mean, I'll try anything except for insects and, you know, I'm pretty open to culture, you know, different cultures. I would like them and engulf myself in in a culture and food is the way that you do that because that's again people speak through food and meals and and that's love languages so yeah I love I love to plan travel around food it's great well it's really it's the heart and soul of people like if you want to understand a culture you you learn about their food you eat their food like yes Oh, I love it. I remember there was a show on um, cable. I can't remember what station. I think it was Amy, uh, Andrew Zimmern, where he would go and, and okay, he would literally yeah. like go to the people's houses and they would be cooking in their huts. And he, I loved that show because he, he got right into it. It wasn't just the, you know, like I refuse to eat like from corporate places, you know, when we're traveling, like I'm not going to an IHOP when I'm in um, Egypt, you know, come on yeah. now. Um, but Andrew Zimmern, like got, you know, the people and that to me is part of that food culture is I want to know the people and, you know, where did these recipes come from? Where did, what are traditions that they carry forward? And why is this so important? Hawaii is, like my favorite, favorite place. And I will do a luau like all day long because I, I love all the different foods and the environment and the happiness surrounding in that luau. It's just, all of it is just for me, spiritually fulfilling. Yeah. Totally. Totally hear you there. (laughs) What makes you feel luxurious? Um, luxurious you know don't laugh at me but my favorite absolute favorite thing that I own is my hot tub I just I I feel so fortunate that I can just at the end of the day we put music on and him and I just go and we just relax and it it just is that kind of awe moment where it feels like luxury to me it feels like I'm so blessed to be able to really enjoy this self-care moment and mm-hmm. have fun. Yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna laugh at 
the hot tub. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like obsessed with my hot tub. Like I got it for my birthday, I think last year. And I think there's only been maybe a total of seven days. I haven't been in it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great health wise and, and mentally it's, it's amazing. So yeah, everybody needs to get a hot tub. Yeah. If you could have a meal with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, hands down, hands down. I don't know if anyone has seen the show on Netflix where it has the Dalai Lama and the uh, the bishop and they're like two. Have you seen it? And I don't think so, but I've seen I feel like I've seen clips of it. Oh, you have to watch it. It's called Finding Joy in Tr- in the Troubled Times or something like that. And these are like two of the biggest spiritual leaders um, that, and I don't know if they're, I, I don't think they've passed. And um, they're just amazing. And they get together and they're like little boys. You talk about fun is fundamental. Watch that show. The oh. two of them are like two little kids together and they're constantly like touching and holding hands. And oh. one one is Christian and you know, one is Buddha, is Buddhism. And they have no qualms about their friendship, how much they love each other, what their beliefs are as far as you know, humanity and kindness. I want to sit with the two of them. I want to sit right in the middle of them and I just want to hug them and I just want to hold their hands and I just want to listen to them interact. I just think they are fantastic and that would be a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's do a little word association. What do you think of when you think of joy? Family. Music. 80s. The ocean. Hawaii. Money. Abundance. Um, the forest. Forest. I, I don't have one for that except a bear came to mind. Oh. <laughs> um, travel. Dream goals. Summer. Meditation. Hmm. Flowers. Husband. Mm, Peace. All I could think of was planet. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want I want peace on this planet. I do too. I'm trying, girl. I'm trying. <laughs> You're doing your part. You're doing your part. I mean, that's you, we can only we have to start somewhere, right? It's right. Got to be the ripple and the ripple in the lake or the ocean, right? It just yeah. starts with us. Just be the pebble that starts starts the ripple. Yeah. What's your favorite mode of transportation? You're gonna. You're going to love this one. My favorite mode of transportation is Shasta. And Shasta is the name of my convertible. And the reason I call her Shasta is the paint is called Black Cherry. And when I bought it, I asked the guy, what am I going to name her? And I said, you know, the color is Black Cherry. And the first thing he thought of was the Shasta soda, the Black Cherry Shasta um, soda. And it was a, for me, it was a validation. It was my dream car. I said, I wanted to be convertible Barbie. And I used to have a company car and I did not like the company I was working for the corporation that I worked for. It was just stressful. And it just really was not where I belonged anymore. I outgrew that. And I knew they were going to take the company car. And so I had put money away every month as if I had a car payment. And then they sprung it on us all of a sudden and said, we're taking the car right now. And many people were scrambling, like, how am I going to get around? Because that was their only car. But I had that money put away because I knew. 
And I was able to go buy my little Lexus convertible um, cash and oh. that top down and driving around with the puppies and the wind blowing in our hair. And I always say music up top down. It is so joyful. I love it. Yeah. That sounds, it sounds like magical, like your dream car. It's like, oh yeah. I like, I like Shasta. (laughs) (laughs) She's old. She's an oldie, but she's a goodie and she's in perfect condition because whoever had her before me uh, must not have driven her. And it was just in a garage. And so she's got very low mileage and she's in perfect condition. So I, I was very blessed to find her. Yeah. Nice. That's great it was meant to be yeah definitely yeah what's your dream vacation bali bali a hundred percent bali 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 yeah i it's the most spiritual place i feel on this earth and to go and do some spiritual walking and just to be out there in nature and meet some really amazing spiritual guides would be super cool to me. I just, that's my absolute dream. I have to get to Bali. Yeah. Do you remember your dreams? It's funny that you say that. I had a session with someone. My daughter got it for Christmas for me with this healer here in Arizona. And we went and it's called an emotional emotion code session, emotion code. And they help to heal you from anything that's stuck subconsciously that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we talked about were dreams. And I said, you know, I don't remember my dreams. And I think I stopped remembering my dreams because I was having like a lot of dreams about like violence and, and ending like my life ending. So mm-hmm. And she said, you know, that those are not necessarily bad. She goes, the meaning behind those a lot of the times is just change. So she said, when, before you go to sleep and listeners, I'll give you this, um, this helpful hint that, that she gave me before you go to sleep, you write down, I will remember my dreams and you keep a journal next to you, a dream journal. And then before, like you lay back down and then you just lay there and you just say, I will remember my dreams. I will get messages from my dreams. And then as soon as you wake up, before you do anything, write down what you remember and immediately like, don't go get up and go to the bathroom. Don't get on your phone and then write it down. So, um, I've been doing that and I have been remembering my dreams. So most of my dreams now are, I think it's cleaning out. So when you dream of people from the past, it's that last place where it's still in there and it needs to be removed. So you can deal with it consciously and say, I let that go. I let them go. That contract has ended. And that's what Mm -hmm. I've been doing. Yeah. That's good that you were able to like turn that corner to build a lake, be able to process, you know? Yeah. 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 How about let's do two truths and a lie, and then I'll let let you go. All Um, right. I love it. Okay. Are you ready? Let's see how good you are. All right. Um, So I have done stand-up comedy, number one. Um, I was asked to be a kept woman by a mobster. And I was approached by Tony Robbins to be a part of his life coaching program. I'm going to hope that it's the the mobster one because that just sounds so like terrifying. So I'm going to say that one just because that's what I hope. Nope. Nope. That's true. Whoa. Oh my goodness. That's absolutely terrifying. Well, I hope it's not the Tony Robbins one. That's not true then. Cause that also, that sounds amazing. False. Ah, <laughs> 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 stand up comedy. 
I have. I did. I've done an open mic. Uh, I've always wanted to do it. It was a bucket list thing, and it was the most fun ever. But it is difficult. I have to say, guys, you need to respect those comedians because coming up with five minutes of material is it's a lot and you got to keep your audience in the presentation. So it, it's, it's a practice thing, but uh, yeah. So when I tell you, I have experience dating and relationships, I bring not just my, my knowledge and education and credentialing, I bring my experience. So I used to be a uh, karaoke hostess at a bar and I would get approached you know, all the time by people. And I was once asked to be a dominatrix for someone. And so this particular situation, I was approached by this really big, you know, Italian, um, you know, just a very large man. And he approached and said, Hey, my boss wants to talk to you. I was like, Oh, Oh, Okay. So yeah. So I went over um, to talk to him and the, he had like the, all the entourage around him. And, you know, he would say, Hey, you know, I need to talk with her. You guys need to like step over here for a minute. And yeah, he basically just said, I will pay for your, I was a single parent at the time. And he said, I will pay for your apartment. I want to set you up and I want to take care of races for your children. And uh, yeah, all, wow. all, all the things. So yeah, I, as tempting as it was, <laughs> my alarm bell said, don't do this because not all the money in the world is uh, probably going to be worth what you're going to have to go through. So yeah, yeah no, for sure. Cause you know, if it doesn't work out, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cement shoes and cement shoes and the leg. No, thank you. I need to be around for my kids, but no, he was a very nice gentleman. Um, but it was, he was quite the character and I don't think he's been told no very often. Um, but that's kind of who I am is like, no, I don't do anything that doesn't serve me well. And that isn't on the up and up. So yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And it's like one of those things, it's like, you know, if, if this money is coming from mob activities, it's that's dirty money, too. Like, <laughs> there's your safety to think of. There's the fact that, like, what, how, like, what's going on for this money to exist? Like, mm, yeah, just too much. That's not. You know, I didn't dive in and I didn't ask questions where the money was coming. You just, it was just kind of that you just know, you just, I just kind of knew with the whole bodyguards and just his demeanor. And maybe I was stereotyping, but I just, you know, for me, that was my perception. And then, you know, you want to take care of me and I just need to be at your beck and call or whatever. So I, I didn't dive too deep into what all it was entailing. I mean, in the minute he said, I'll take care of everything. I was like, no, that's okay. I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you obviously are smart enough to avoid that. So fun, fun story though. Fun story. <laughs> I mean, now you're like, I got a great story for you. <laughs> like, let me tell you. <laughs> I love characters though. I, I aim to meet characters out in the world. I think people that have these fun, kooky things about them and personalities, I love characters. Cause I just think it makes, it makes life interesting. I, I think you've got to give everyone a chance cause you have no idea no matter what their, their status or stature is like, be open to everybody, be kind to everybody, be willing to hear everyone's story. I've met the most interesting people and I don't care, you know, whether it's the janitor to the president, they're, they're all equal. Everybody's equal to me in my eyes. I don't look at people. I look at souls and I have just met the most fun, uh, entertaining, kind people in the world. So if I can leave listeners with anything it's that be open to everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, people are, are very interesting. People are amazing. Like there's, you know, there's so much possibilities and types of people and yeah. 
Yeah. But society tends to like shy away when they see someone acting different from everyone else. All of a sudden there's this mob mentality of judgment. And, you know, I don't believe that way. I mean, I would be the one that would step out of the crowd and go up to the person and be like, Hey, what's your story? Talk to me, you know? Um, and that's what I'd like to see everybody do is just, let's start accepting and, and be inclusive to everyone. Let's just, let's just love each other for who we are and what we've been through. That's yeah. the key. Yeah. Well, yeah, that definitely like makes me think of like, you know, around in Seattle, there's a lot of folks that are without homes, you know? And so often people just like, just don't even like acknowledge that. Like, it's like they're, they're, they're like, they just put up this blinder because it is uncomfortable, you know, obviously, but they're still humans. And so like, I remember like this one woman who, you know, I just like would see her and I would just start, you know, every day. And I would just like, just started talking to her, you know, and she's just like, I just like, she's just like, thank you for just talking to me. Like how, like, there's so many people that just don't acknowledge my existence even, you know, and it's not, sometimes it's not even like, I, like, I obviously like, I need money, but like, just you like smiling at me and saying, hi, like makes me feel better. Even if you don't have anything today, you know, like that kind of thing. And it just like really affected me, you know, that like, I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry that you go through that every single day. Like the dignity of just like being allowed to exist in a way, you know? Right. Can you imagine feeling that unworthy that people can't even acknowledge, acknowledge your existence and that's, yeah, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And you know what it is though, if we look at it from a human psychology um, perspective, it's that she represents our fears. We're all one paycheck away or a couple paychecks away, they say, you know, from being that. And when we see her, it's not about her. It's about our fear of becoming that, of losing everything that we have. And, and, you know, unfortunately, humans are run on anxiety and fear. And, you know, that's it's a, it's a shame if we could let that go and just, you know, live in that moment and have humanity every day, um, with one another. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's a reality, but we can at least, at least our listeners can be a part of the change they want to see in the world. And, you know, with what you said and what I think we could all do, maybe just one person at a time, one life at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, we all make, a difference in the people that we touch every day. So, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much for being on. This was such a great conversation and something I really needed today. So I really appreciate it. Um, Where can my listeners find you? Oh, thank you so much. It was such an honor to talk to you. You're such a beautiful soul. I am at uh, lifecoachmorebrain.com. And as we talked about, I do life coaching, dating coaching. I'm actually also going to be expanding into doing some dating coaching and life coaching for neurodivergent and spectrum folks, which I'm so excited about. So it's something I'm studying right now. Um, and, uh, looking forward to, to doing that with, um, that demographic for sure, because there are extra challenges there, but I also think there's just a pureness there and their willingness to, to go forward and do those things and take the, um, tips and the, the guides and the meet those goals. So I'm looking forward to starting that. And then my books are on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I believe you can even order them on Walmart, Target and Outskirts Press. So they're everywhere. And also they're on my website if you want to buy them. Um, the first one is my dog is more enlightened than I am. And the second one is my dog is my relationship coach. And I'm in the process of writing book number three. You guys are going to love it. It's a little secret, but it should be out hopefully the end of 2023. Um, so that'll be something to look forward to. And then also my podcast, uh, I never knew, but my dog did. And all, 
all platforms where you can find them. And I think that's, oh, and one other, I have a online doggy boutique where we make um, homemade healthy treats. So there's only three ingredients. There's no preservatives, no dyes, everything healthy for your puppy. And we have like bandanas and safety products, water bottles and fun stuff. So that's going to be uh, expanding as well. And that's my dog is everything.net. So I think that, I think that's everything. <laughs> that's so yeah. You're, you're a busy woman. You know, busy is good. Busy. If I always say, if your inbox is empty, no one cares. Right. So keep that yeah. inbox full. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, if it doesn't matter how busy you are, if you're like loving what you're doing, like, it's not like, it's not like overwhelming or something like that. You're just like, yes, I get that's, to do this. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's a get to and doing podcasting and all that stuff. It's a get to for me every single day. There's no have tos anymore, especially retiring from corporate after 25, 26 years. Now the freedom is it does. As my mother says, if you love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. Mm -hmm. And I truly feel I don't work a day in my life, even with everything that sounds like I'm busy. I just, I love it. It doesn't feel like work. So thanks. yeah. Yeah. You want, you want to be doing work that you don't want to retire from. <laughs> there you go. And create a life you don't want to run from. So yeah, yeah we'll, yeah. we'll make that a twofold, right? Work, work, life balance. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. You're wonderful. I, I'm so glad that you're, we're here and that you're helping so many folks. And yeah, thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. And you're amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. And listeners, I hope you guys all share and give her five stars because she's she's absolutely amazing. And I'm sending big hugs to you and your family for thank you for your your loss. So thank you so much. Thank you.